morning, everyone. I was blessed this morning as well. I'm sure you were. We turn your Bibles to John 17. John 17. I think we'll read this passage this time. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world, the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world... Even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe in that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me Maybe in them, and I in them. All right, so the title of the message this morning is that they may be one. Um, in this passage, we have the great intercessor, Jesus, and his high priestly prayer. We know this chapter by Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus prayed this powerful prayer um, just before he crossed the book Cadron and entered into the garden with his disciples. And we know what followed, um, the story of Gethsemane, the trial the crucifixion. I believe there was a tremendous weight on um, Jesus as he considered what was before him. We see it in his prayer here. 
And remember how later in the garden he um, sweated, as it, sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. I don't think we can even begin to grasp the, um, the gravity of it all. Um, just consider some of the responsibilities that we face in life. Um, we have personal responsibilities, and sometimes they feel like they weigh us down. Maybe we rub shoulders with others. But beyond that, um, Jesus had the responsibility of himself, his disciples, but it didn't stop there. He had the um, weight of the whole world on his shoulders, all of mankind. So what can we learn from Jesus in this prayer, this powerful prayer, as he poured his heart out to God? Um, you're going to notice that Jesus prayed for himself. Why did he pray for himself? I think we already talked about a little bit how Jesus felt the weight of this um, that he was about to go through and the importance of following through. He asked that God would glorify him so he could glorify God. We see that in verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. He asked that he would be restored to his former glory in verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So how is God glorified, and, or how is Jesus glorified? Well, it's really one answer for both. Um, it is by man receiving eternal life, the great work of salvation completed. And in that wonderful process, we had the glory of Righteousness. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was sinless. With the glory of the cross itself, Jesus was lifted up to die. With the glory of the resurrection, the death could not hold him. And the glory of his ascension and, and exaltation. So he rose into heaven, into the heavens there in front of his disciples. And he is seated at the hand of the Father now. Why did Jesus ask to be glorified? Why didn't he pray that all the glory go to God? <clears throat> we know that God and Jesus are one, and we will discuss those verses some more later. Um, a couple verses here. Very Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead, spiritually dead, shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Jesus is glorified so that we can access the Father through him. Jesus was glorified so that he could give eternal life to men. Um, Jesus was glorified because he finished the work that God had given him to do. You want to look a little at the thought of Jesus being um, restored to his former glory. Why did he pray this? Um, Jesus had revealed God's name. Jesus was and is the very revelation of God to mankind. He had spent all this time with the multitudes and especially with his disciples. His disciples knew who he was. He had spent so much time with them and taught them in parables and gently tried to show them what was about to happen. All of these things he shared with him had to come to pass. He was the Son of God, and God had sent him, and Jesus was simply praying that they would see God through him. So in in essence, if Jesus was not glorified, then God was not glorified. We also see that Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed for them because he loved them. 
They were a gift to him from the Father. Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. God had entrusted him with the disciples, and he was burdened for them in, um, in the coming days. The one they loved and trusted so dearly was uh, about to be seemingly destroyed. And even after the resurrection, so much would be left for them to carry on, carry on Christ's work. He prayed for the disciples because he knew God would care. He says, all mine are thine and thine are mine. A mutual care for the disciples. And that's a promise we can count on today as well. Um, God cares about its believers. Still caring for us today. He prayed for his disciples because the disciples being faithful brought glory to God. Verse 10, and all mine are thine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. He prayed for them because he was leaving the world and returning to heaven to be with the Father. Jesus' work on earth in his earthly body was nearly completed, and it was up to the disciples to forward the work of Jesus. So, so much rested on their shoulders, and who could better understand than understand the hardship, the opposition that they would face better than Jesus himself? <clears throat> Jesus prayed for his disciples in specific ways, for specific things. Verse 11, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. He prayed that they would have unity, that they would work together as as the Father and Son are one. Verse 13, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He prayed that they would have joy and joy fulfilled. I think that speaks of joy in its fullness. It's not something they were just trying to grasp or just beyond reach, but something they experienced, that they would have it every day, all the time, moment by moment. Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He prayed that they would be kept from evil. As followers of Jesus and being in the world, they would face many of the same oppositions um, from the world and from Satan as Jesus did. His prayer was that while they were in the world, they would not be of the world. But he recognized the need for them to be in the world. How else could Jesus' work go on without his disciples remaining on earth where the need was? Therefore, they needed the special grace and power to be in the world, but not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He prayed for their sanctification. The disciples needed to be set apart to God through his truth because they were being sent into the world, just as Jesus was. They had the same tasks of bringing men back to God through reconciliations. Sanctification is the only way to God. Um, Therefore, the disciples needed that in their lives themselves. Without the power of God and a regenerate heart, their preaching and teaching would be empty. All right, Jesus prayed for future believers. Verse 20, Neither pray I, pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Jesus not only prayed for the disciples and followers of that time, but he prayed for future believers, for you and me personally. How touching is that? I know of people in my life that I can count on who will always pray for me. I think especially my grandmother. I know I can count on my parents and all of you as well. 
But um, I still have a note from my grandmother in my study Bible from when I was a teenager. It says, I have a deep burden for you. I am praying for you. And I remember different times she would tell how she prays for me every day. And, of course, she said, did that for the other grandchildren as well. But every night she would pray, name them all, starting from her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and now even great-great-grandchildren. And we think, well, that's very special, that's amazing, that's powerful, that's wonderful. But um, Jesus' prayer is even more amazing, isn't it? More powerful. He, had, he, the solution to man's problem, was praying on our behalf. A prayer that covered all humanity, all the expanse of time. <clears throat> he understood and cared about the needs of mankind more than any other human being could. He prayed for um, the weakest as well as for the strongest, for the diseased as well as the healthy, for the orphan as well as for families, for the widow and widower, for the singles and the couples, for the prisoner as well as for the free, for the believer in the darkest jungle, as well as for the believer in the limelight, for believers in Ukraine, believers in Russia, for you and me, friends and family, for those who still don't believe but will believe. We can grasp the promise that Jesus loves us, cares deeply about us. He cares about all of mankind. What did Jesus pray for when he prayed for us? Um, Verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest to me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I don't know if you noticed, but aren't these verses the very heartbeat of Jesus' prayer? The central theme, and I suppose I would put those down as the theme verses for this message, but we see it all as... Excuse me. See also when Jesus prayed for his disciples in verse 11. And I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. The disciples needed that oneness to be able to further the kingdom. But how about now? Jesus is saying we need this oneness. He's praying for oneness just as um, he and the Father had. Jesus' heartfelt, um, burden-filled prayer was that we would somehow grasp that same burden and oneness and be able to reach the world. Show the world who God really is. Show the world that Jesus is from God, and all of us as believers are working together in unity to do this. When we talk about unity, we think of working together towards some belief, towards the same belief and goal. I think many times what happens is we focus on the thought of unity and forget about what actually unifies us. Our example is Jesus. He is praying that we would be one as he and the Father are one. But how do we do that? Um, being a part of a church does not in itself make us um, unified with our brethren. But it's doing the works of, Je- of Jesus in oneness. <clears throat> Jesus set the standard, the oneness between Jesus and the Father. <clears throat> we also have the source of unity in God's glory, Jesus possessed God's glory. We as believers receive God's glory when we are born again. If we have the glory of God in our hearts, we are going to live and move and have our being in God, in the things of God. 
Romans 12, verse 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 17, For we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Galatians 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, Female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians 4, verse 13, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus not only prayed that believers be one in us, like Jesus and God, but perfected in one. I think this emphasized beyond a doubt that the believers must be in unity. Is it safe to say that the reason the world has not been reached for Christ is because we as Christians haven't been unified enough to penetrate the world with the gospel? We know that the lack of unity discourages believers and many churches are falling apart or whatever and cause many to lose out, but does it but it also does a terrible thing to the world looking on as well. <clears throat> How about right here in Creston? Um, and those of you visiting back home where you are from, what do the locals see when they see us? Do they know we are followers of Jesus? When they see us later in the day, today, or next week, or next month, um, does it matter who they see of our brotherhood? Will they say, I know who they are. I know where they belong. They are followers of Jesus. And if it's a oneness in God and each other, it's going to be everything about our lives, every day of the week and all areas of our life. And we don't do this to promote, to promote our denomination, although we are here because we believe it is where God wants us, but we do this to promote Jesus, to show that Jesus is from God and to uh, bring glory to God. The believer's source of unity is in God. We have the indwelling of presence of Christ within our lives. God is in Christ, and therefore, God is in us. A few more verses I'd like to look at here that are in our text. John 14, verse 20. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. John 14, verse 23. Jesus answers and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And then verse 23, it's in our text. I am them, and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Galatians 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 3, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And then uh, Colossians 1, verse 27. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. John, 1 John 3, verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And the last one, Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him, and he with me. Unity is powerful. Uh, wars are one because people are working together. Uh, huge projects are completed because people are working together. Um, the Tower of Babel was a failure because they weren't capable of working together with the language barrier God created. 
unity is powerful, but we aren't just talking about the standard unity working together here. This is a perfected unity that Jesus is praying for. God wants his people to be working together in unity to bring glory to him. That is perfected unity. Unity that promotes God's glory and not our own. Just notice the difference each time Jesus is praying for unity in this chapter. Now, verse 11. We have the unity of God's name. Believers must all call upon God's name. Verse 15, we have the unity of God's power, um, his protection. Where is the source of believers' protection? Believers call call upon God for deliverance from the evil of the world and the devil. Verse 21, we have the unity of witness, that the world may believe that God sent Christ. They will believe through a unified witness. Verse 23, the unity of love, that the world may know that God sent Christ. They will know through a unified love. Ponder those last two points a little bit, unity of witness and the unity of love. The world may hear the gospel and even believe it by us witnessing to them. But will they know the gospel until, well, they will not know the gospel until we show them the gospel in unified love and they experience it and see it in action. Then they can say, this is what God's love is. <clears throat> First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. What the world needs is love so that they can understand the love that God has for them. Think about the enormous impact we can have on the world if we are unified in love, not just here in Creston, but all of God's believers. <clears throat> the love of the believer is a far cry from what the world calls love. Um, the believer's love and what Christ is praying for here is sacrificial love a love that gives it all we say we are willing but what do we really give up for Jesus for our brother and sister in Christ next door neighbor for that matter who maybe we never talked to let alone showed him the love of Christ hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren First John 3 verse 16 and in John 13, verse 34 to 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this also shall men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And uh, verse or Romans 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So back to that perfected in one. When we think about perfection, it has to do with Accomplishing something, an end, an aim, a goal, a purpose, fully grown, fit, mature. We've reached the highest point possible uh, with what we were pressing forward to be or to do. I don't think any of us would say we have reached perfection. Um, Even if we are born again and experiencing this perfected oneness with God and Jesus and his saints, we always have that higher goal. Striving for perfection. And from the Bible, I think we can see three stages of perfection. 
um, Hebrews 10, verse 14, we have the uh, saving perfection. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Christ saves us and makes us perfect in him. We have the maturing perfection. And moving forward, Philippians 3, verses 13 through 5. Sorry, 13 through 15. Um, Philippians 3, 13 through 15. Brethren, I count, my not, count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. As we walk with God, he directs us. Um, he perfects us. The things that are imperfect, he reveals to us and expects us to repent and be perfect in him. That's another reason we have our brothers and sisters. God works through all of us for the perfecting of the saints. <clears throat> we also have the redemptive or resurrected perfection. Uh, Philippians 3, verses 11 and 12. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. We strive to be perfect because we see what Christ's perfect sacrifice and redemptive work did for us. We in turn pass it on to the world so they can see and experience God as well. Jesus' deep burden is that we would be perfected in one. Jesus also prayed that we may be with him in glory. We see that in verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. I have a few other verses. Uh, John 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 or 2, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Colossians 1, verse 5, For the hope which is laid out for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of, tr- of the truth of the gospel. Revelation 7, verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. In Revelation 22, verse 14, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Jesus wants His followers to be here on earth to win souls to Christ, but when our time is finished, or when He says time will be no more, um, He wants His believers to have rest, to be with Him in glory. Jesus concludes his prayer with testimony. Um, he mentions the testimony of the world, the testimony of himself, the testimony of the disciples and believers. Verse 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. <clears throat> the world says they don't know God. Jesus says, I have known thee. I have known thee always, even before the foundations of the world. These... Um, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. I believe he's talking about the disciples, but I don't think it's just inclusive to them. It's to all who receive Jesus. We have a testimony this morning, don't we? 
that God is and that Jesus is from God. Verse 26. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Here we have it again. Jesus' prayer for you, for me, for all of mankind. And um, like we mentioned at the beginning, immediately after this prayer, he headed to the garden, and there Judas betrayed him. The trial took place. He was crucified and gave his life for all of us that we, so that we could know God's love. So we can experience his love and the oneness of Jesus, the oneness of our brethren. And uh, this oneness is so far powerful because it's, it's the oneness of God. I'd like to read verses 21 through 26 yet in closing. <clears throat> that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. And I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning to worship you. We thank you for the songs that were sung and the Sunday school discussion. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be shining lights in this world, um, in this community or wherever we live. pray that you would help us to have a oneness in our brotherhood and oneness with all believers um, going forth and showing the world um, about you, about your love to us, and about your love to all of mankind. Pray that you would bless the um, rest of the Lord's day, whatever we all may have planned. Pray that you would protect, protect those who may be traveling, and pray also you would help us all to be faithful to you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.